wig. It's hot local singles. The fact that there's already a know your meme about the vibe ship article. No. I mean, I don't even know if that website makes sense as a existing website anymore. <laughs> Literally. So Storm, Eunice, <laughs> secure your wigs. Eunice and Dudley are coming. <laughs> Who the fuck is Eunice and Dudley? Yeah, this is a Eunice and Dudley explainer podcast. <laughs> as you listen to this, listener, Eunice and Dudley will be pounding <laughs> the United Kingdom. You're busy. The kingdom being absolutely <laughs> pummeled by Eunice and Dudley as we speak. Pummeled? <laughs> that was British. Eunice is a storm, as is Dudley. Okay. Are they the same, like, gravity of storm? The same level? I think so, yeah. Dudley's yeah. northern, from what I remember. Eunice is not. So southern? You know, it's more London vibes. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of north. The opposite of north. It's been like windy, I guess. My windows have been rattling. If that helps kind of paint a picture. The question in everyone's <laughs> minds. Yeah, I love that picture. Thank you. But the question that I think everyone's asking right now is, why Eunice? <laughs> why Eunice? <laughs> why Dudley? There couldn't be more British names out there. It's a bit on the nose, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was just reading a thing that said female hurricane names make people less scared. So actually they prepare less and more people die. So ultimately, Eunice is a killer. <laughs> the silent killer of Eunice. Despite how it sounds. And Dudley to me will always be a Harry Potter uh, thing. Because oh, yeah. that's like the mean like cousin or whatever. The guy who bullies Harry Potter under his yeah. under the staircase. If you recall. Staircase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I heard Dudley, I was taken immediately transported in a carriage to the crown. To platform nine and three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> no, to Buckingham Palace. Because I don't know if you've watched The Crown, but there's, they constantly stay throwing at you characters with names that are just not, they're unfortunately grounded in reality, but it's like an alternative oh reality called the UK. So there's like people literally called Bobetti, like Bob and then Etty. Bobetti. Bobetti is a character in like the 50s. Bibbidi Bobetti. <laughs> I'm turning you up because um, you're spitting straight fire right now. I was at a like, opticians i guess i was at a boots opticians boots <laughs> boots opticians and uh this like posh guy mm. goes up to the secretary or whatever and is like hey my name's albert born in 1999 he's giving his birthday for sure i was like damn albert that guy's rich for sure like hurricane albert incoming you know <laughs> hurricane Mom- it's like one degree away from dudley albert <laughs> In my opinion. Albert's pretty normal, but you're right that I don't have any friends called Alberts. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's more of an old person name. I know. That's that's family money, baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like a person like Albert the fifth, probably, of his family. Fifth is name. Oh, yeah. yeah, keep that bloodline going. <laughs> Albert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Al- Albertin- Albertinian bloodline. Um, okay, so... <laughs> so boots the house. <laughs> Speaking of Europe, there's a European singer who's making waves. Speaking of storms, Kim Petras oh took pop mu- music by storm last week when oh she God. released Hurricane Kim Peepers. Yeah, Kim Peepers. When she released, what do we call this? An album? I would argue EP, but I could 
I could be convinced about both sides. No, I, I'm, I'm on the EP camp. That shit is like, what, 20 minutes long? Right, yeah. Less. To her credit, it's like she's never had an album longer than half an hour. True. What's it called? A slut pop. Slut pop. <laughs> yeah, hurricane slut pop. What were your, before we get into the <laughs> obvious controversy, um, what do you think about the it, the it, the, it, the album, the music, the thing in question? The music itself, a classic question yeah. on a podcast like How Local Singles. <laughs> <laughs> we always bring it back to like the object of study. Yeah, let's study it. Let's study slut pop. Let's study slut pop. Also, hi, listener. Hi, Juan. Hi. Hi, Joshi. Another one of our classic cold opens. <laughs> <laughs> We're listening and learning, improving every day. So I was lucky enough to literally be in a hotel room when this EP came out. Pre-drinking too, which I think helps a lot. Pre-drinking to go yeah. out in Manchester to see a producer named Unique, to see a DJ named Chippy Nonstop, who I know you're very familiar with, mm -hmm. a DJ and producer named VTSS. This is what I was kind of getting in the mood to go see in Manchester, a city I actually happen to like very much randomly. Dude. And so XXX really worked, Chromecasting mm -hmm. it to a... Samsung smart TV in a Yotel. <laughs> Lyrics like, treat me like a slut, really actually did ultimately work for me. And that's kind of like, I think, what Kim was envisioning as the ideal listening scenario for this. A Yotel. A Yotel. Like, yeah. Casting the music onto a TV. I was casting it, absolutely. <laughs> it's, not, it's not bad music. It's not bad music. And if you're saying that, you're lying, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, okay, listen, I have like a deeper take than I was in a hotel, I swear, but I will say <laughs> XXX and Slut Pop, the song, I really like, I really enjoy those songs. Like, I think right. that's a good pop song. Um, we'll get into why that's a good pop song in a moment, who's behind it, in fact. But some of it did strike me as like a little dark-sided. Mm. Treat Me Like a Slide, actually, in particular, is uh, what I'm talking about, like... Yeah, I don't know. It's a little, it's a little much, yeah. you know, it's a little much. Um, a little I remember, much. And I swear I'll ask you in a minute what you think, but like, I remember in one of our first episodes of all time, hmm. we talked about the Kim Petra song called Do Me. Hmm. And I think for me anyway, I loved it. Like it sounded essentially perfect, hmm. but like, it's really hard to hear those lyrics. Like, do me like that. Do me like that, yeah. Hurt me so good, make me want to be bad. Right. And then we get into the issue of like who's behind it. But first I want to ask you what you think of Sonic. The actual music, yeah. Slut Pop, the EP. I was listening to it for the first time while working, which I think is like the opposite of how you should interact with that <laughs> album. I like, I mean, I'm not going to, yeah, what I said, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to sit here and say it's bad music. It's, it's good music and it's the, it does its job. Its job is pretty simple. Just like make you move. It's pop music, blah, blah, blah. I will say, and I told you, I told you this already, and this is not necessarily from where you're coming from about it being crass, which I do agree with to a certain extent, but I don't mind that as much. But I do also often find that there's just missed opportunities for it to be more clever or more like, it's very one note. It's all about raunchy sex, yeah. start to finish. And every lyric is that. It's like, I'm nasty, I'm a slut. But I would love some comedy thrown in there, some sort of like, there, it feels to me like there's no rhymes. There's no rhymes lyrically. Hmm. And when you listen, I was listening to it again and I was like, she does rhyme, but it's, there's just so basic. 
And that's like my main issue with her. I feel like lyrically, which is kind of her only job, she always leaves me wanting a bit more. Right. Like there's specifically a line that rubbed me the wrong way. It's really stupid. But at some point she says something like, come faster. And then two bars after she says, take it slower. I don't know. Just in a way that it was like contradicting to the point that's like, oh, right. She just wrote random statements with no regard for actual meaning or any sort of like, I don't know. I want I want the lyrics to be a bit more clever and like funny or something, something, not just there. Right. But I just wish she stepped it up lyrically a bit because that's her only job. Literally, that's the only thing she has to do. So what I'm trying to say is like, you're not original lyrically. So what are you bringing to the table, Kim? Because you're not producing the tracks, obviously. So I just want her to be like, put more effort into lyrics, like do something that makes me impressed about your part, your, because she's not a vocalist. She's not a producer. And visually, as we know, as we'll talk about, she's kind of rehashing ideas that's later already did. So I just want her to, that's my only, my only complaint about it is like, like production wise, it's amazing, but lyrically it leaves me wanting. It's not that it's bad. It just leaves me wishing she had made a, maybe more puns, maybe something a bit more creative. Yeah. Production wise, I get like Nadia O, you know? Yeah. I do like what it's referencing. Um, or what Dr. Luke is referencing, I'll say it. I'll say the D word. <laughs> we haven't said the name here. I'll utter it. Um, but yeah, I don't think cleverness has ever been her like first and foremost thing. I think she's like alluded to being clever. Like, I feel like I don't want it at all was more clever than this. I even think Coconuts yeah. had like a line or two that kind of made me That's think true. she um, was a little cheekier. Like yeah, yeah. even like calling her coconuts, Mary Kate and Ashley, like it's a very low bar of wittiness, but there was something there. Whereas like, honestly, there almost is nothing like that. That's exactly what I mean. Even on that low level in Slop Pop. Yeah. And coconuts isn't even on Slop Pop, but that song just yeah. came out. Like it is very confusing. Yeah. And the one before that, uh, the future starts now also isn't on, on Slop Pop. Oh yeah. So it's probably like for the album. But yeah, that's what I mean. It doesn't even have to be cleverness because yeah, if that's not what you pedal, that's totally fine. I just want her to have two layers to her lyrics because this album is one, lyrically, it's one layer. It's one note. Yeah. And maybe that's why it comes across so like crass and like- Crass. Because there's no, sensu- like when something is sensual, it's more suggestive than it is outright yeah. disgusting, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It would be campier if it was- funnier Absolutely. to be honest if it had like a yeah. little bit more self-awareness which it really doesn't and also we'd be able to overlook dr luke i think yeah. if it wasn't just purely about like getting fucked mm-hmm. like getting fucked no, hard totally. like almost <laughs> against your will is kind of what it sounds like sometimes yeah i mean which is fine to each their own kink but yeah when it's paired with dr luke it's like okay. that's the thing like yeah. yeah that is the thing to each their own um but it's really hard to imagine that like it's purely her idea when we know based on the credits that it isn't purely her idea. (laughs) Like Dr. Luke is front to back, top to bottom, side to side, all (laughs) over this fucking EP. Like every writing slot, every producing slot, he's filled that hole. He's (laughs) fucking stuffed it. Sorry. I'm just playing along. I'm doing slot pop. He's fucking fisted that hole um, with his credit. That's pretty good. I mean, it's true. And um, listener, if you don't know, Dr. Luke is controversial because there's allegations, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, Kesha uh, alleged that he raped her, sexually assaulted. I don't remember specifically. 
Um, that. So there was a bit of controversy online because the album is incredibly sexual. It's produced by Dr. Luke. And one of the things that I saw people highlighting was the Gaga lyric. Mm-hmm, I saw that a lot too. That, that's literally the only funny, like the only clever lyric in it. Literally. Yeah. That's in, um, I think, Throat Goat, which is a absolutely absurd song that actually is, <laughs> it verges on clever, but it's not, it doesn't quite make it to the finish yeah. line. So Gaga, if you recall, listener, was involved in the Kesha situation. She supported Kesha very much. Yeah. And she said that she herself was a victim of abuse by producers in the music industry. So people were mad at Kim for including her in this album produced by, EP produced by Dr. Luke. Yeah. It's a bit like twisting the knife is what it felt like, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, let's be honest. Lady Gaga is not listening to... <laughs> to slop up on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, she's not. No, I know. It's a mess though. Uh I mean, so many female singers have come out against Dr. Luke that is it's essentially accepted as fact that he yeah. at least was at one point a sexual pest, like a menace to female pop stars. Yeah. That's like the best way to put it. Yeah. Kesha seems like pretty you know, impacted by that era of her life. Like mm. I saw recently that she actually came to her label with complaints about Dr. Luke before she even had a song out. So when she was working behind the scenes, she was complaining about Dr. Luke from the start. And I'm, mm. I don't know why that matters, but I feel like some people, you know, would want to confirm that. I don't know. People like a paper trail, you know what I mean? Mm. No, it matters. And, in- in a court of law, yeah, I feel like. that's yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know because she lost her trial, but it would it would matter probably. Yeah, yeah, that's right. She lost her trial, so Doctor Luke is a free man, and he won't stop producing for for um Kim Pe- Pim. Whoa, am I okay? For Kim <laughs> for Kim for Doctor Pepper <laughs> for for Kim Peepers, Doctor Pepper and and, and Kim Luke. <laughs> and uh, so ultimately what really is the issue is Kim Betris just signed with Dr. Luke. Mm. Um, in the kind of Lucy singles era of Kim Petrus, she was just on a publishing deal. Now she's signed to his label. This album's going to be fully on his label. So now she's a, she's a patient of Dr. Luke, <laughs> I guess you could say. Terminally patient. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's terminal. <laughs> Convalescing. Um <laughs> well, I was going to say, because, yeah, because a lot of people were on Twitter were saying like, oh, why do you guys like comfort Kim and not Doja Cat, who right. is also, a lot of her stuff is produced by Dr. Luke. Her hits tend to be, yeah, produced by him. Yeah, but there's a bit of a nuance there in the sense that, yeah, Kim just re-signed the contract after the allegations, whereas Doja's Cat, she signed ages ago, even before Kesha's shit came out. Yeah. And, and people offend Doja Cat by saying that, she doesn't like Dr. Dr. Luke anymore. We don't know that. We're not we're not friends with Doja Cat. We don't know what she feels about Dr. Luke. He's still credited in her music at the end of the day. Yeah. Right? So we don't know what the tea is. She's like released a few statements and like a few interviews relatively recently where she was like, yeah, Dr. Luke's credited, but like there are some songs where I'm not even sure what he did. Right. You know, like she said stuff like that. And then a couple of days later, she's released statements saying, I never meant to create doubt about my credits like my credits are accurate like clearly dr luke got to her so like that's so fucking intense too that's giving taylor nation or some shit yeah he did like a house call a medical house call and was like hey 
Miss thing. A medical house call. <laughs> like, yeah, like her windows, like bars came up and like <laughs> he appears as a hologram and says, bitch, delete that tweet or whatever. <laughs> Take it back. He's scary. I mean, he is so consistently successful. It's like, mm-hmm. that's why he's not canceled. Like, it just works every time. Like, everything he touches mm-hmm. is like gold to a certain type of brain damaged gay man and girl, like both <laughs> you and I. <laughs> no, to be fair, I'm, it's not like I'm really listening to it, but I do acknowledge it's good music, like good pop. Yeah. But the thing is that, yes, okay, yeah. So we know Dr. Luke is a good producer, is a good pop music producer. Like Kiss Me More is so fucking good too. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. So in a way, while we can definitely hold Kim accountable for her decision to work with him still, we also have to remind ourselves as consumers that Kim is like a multimillionaire whose main interest in life is to be famous. (laughs) So she's always going to take the opportunity to work with an amazing producer that no one else is working with because he's been like sort of blacklisted. Well, so there's all these like songs lying on a production table that no one's going to grab. Of course, Kim is going to reach out and let me take, let me, let me grab this. A bit of this, a bit of, a little bit of this. It's, 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 it's a nasty business. What can I say? It's just. Mm, kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. Breaking news. Kind of a nasty business. <laughs> yeah, That's it. We've talked about Dr. Luke before in the podcast and it's, it always boils down to bad man, good music. I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, can we, I mean, another thing we always talk about in regards to Kim is <laughs> her aesthetic and mm-hmm. her creative team surrounding her, which, like, by which I mean a gaggle of gay men seemingly yeah. running yeah. around at random in her mansion in LA. The faggot tree. So um, she's doing like a Y2K revival thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so cut the cameras. <laughs> <laughs> Dead ass. We're done. <laughs> we had to. There's I'm... something like, there's just something like not enough. It's like too little, too late. Like, yeah. And what do you think? This has been done. I tweeted about it and I was like, I didn't say her name, but to me, the bimbo Y2K aesthetic is very tired. Like, I'm nodding. Mm -hmm. Even when we did that episode on bimbo, we called it like bimbo theory a year and a couple of months ago, towards the end, we were already sort of hinting at like, oh, this is like, well, we understand why people are liking it. It already feels like, I don't know. And it's been a year. And if anything, 2021 was even more of that. Like everyone was doing that. On yeah. TikTok, everyone is the vibe. Just be like, act yeah. like a dumbass and wear like tiny skirts and crop tops and whatever Y2K fashion is. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been done. It's been done. And it, do- and it doesn't really feel like she did anything to update the aesthetic that would warrant like, yeah, that would make it new in any sort of way. It really is just kind of the same that we've seen and- well, you very graciously put visual evidence. <laughs> side by side comparisons. <laughs> yeah, I kind of went hard. Um, I was talking with a friend about this yesterday. We were comparing recent Kim Petras Instagram pics with earlier era Slater Instagram pics. Mm. And there are some like, there's like a through line. There's like direct side by side comparisons, like being on a tanning bed, like being on a glossy, you know, Y2K Mm -hmm. weird object like conversation hearts with Mm -hmm. slutty words on them you know like 
being blonde, being in bikinis. I mean, mm. said out loud, none of these things really sound relevant <laughs> at all, but like, it's just the styling, you know? It's just, yeah. it is the exact same set of aesthetics. We're talking like five years of, dist- of distance at this point. Yeah, that's later era, which is my, my opinion, peaks later, was before the pandemic, so yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Slater did it better. I think Slater, like, that whole aesthetic and trend should have ended with that set of singles that she released, like Mine and uh, Alone. Mine Those so were, good. like, so amazing. Like, a great interpolation of that music to today. And that that's when we should have, like, washed our hands and, okay, let's move on. She, like, perfected it then. It's done. Yeah, like, Slater was making Slut Pop a few years ago. And while she was doing that, Kim was fucking working with cheat codes, making like pop trap. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we are not the same. Like, (laughs) embrace tradition, reject Kim. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I think there's another conversation of how we expect our pop stars to literally reinvent themselves every, at this rate, seemingly three months. But, um, it just seems so specifically referential of just a few years ago, yeah. which itself is a reference of like the early to mid 2000s. I mean, how much of more of it can we do? Can we no. stand before we go to a freedom convoy? <laughs> or whatever? That's a solution. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Going through. But that's what's so surprising to me about Kim specifically. It's that her and Slater have the exact same audience. It's literally mm. the exact same people who listen to both of them, in my opinion. Like You're right, it's like shady or something. Gay guys who are a bit younger than us. I mean, we still listen, we listen to both of them, but I think the core audience is like, I don't know, geriatric Zoomers. Right, cuspers, yeah. Yeah, so it's bizarre that she would so blatantly, I mean, she didn't rip off anything, but she's obviously just like doing the same thing a few years later. So I don't know what's up with that. It's like the gay guys in her mansion are literally just remembering Slater and bringing it back. Like, that's what's happening. It's literally fucking weird. Like, I don't really know. You would think being signed to Dr. Luke wouldn't mean something. It doesn't yeah. seem to mean anything. <laughs> Visually, isn't, it doesn't mean anything for sure. It seems like her gaze are the same gaze as, like, Erica Jane sometimes. Is yeah. That a, is that yeah, too like funny? Mikey. Take it? <laughs> totally. It's very that. Wearing Moschino every day. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Let's talk about Throat Goat versus Throatzilla. I mean, the comparisons are endless. Yeah, right for comparison. Like, literally the right same for concept. Comparison. Same concept, same visuals. Yeah, so actually someone sent me a, a story, an Instagram story that I'll read just for fun. Mm. Actually, no, I won't. Oh, it was about <laughs> Aisha Erotica. Right, right. Who's really the mother of all these women. Yeah, 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 yeah. we need to say that. We need to say that for sure. I was just listening to Big Juicy and I was, I was bopping. I was mm-hmm. moshing in my flat. <laughs> moshing in my flat. Yeah. I mean, she, she invented them. She has all these daughters running around. I actually think um, Slow Pop sounds a lot more like that first Natty O album, but yeah, um, I don't think we're ready for that conversation. So I don't think I even... <laughs> I even care that much about Slot Pop to continue this conversation. <laughs> I know, yeah, let's move on, I'm down. Yeah, the conversation of Dr. Luke, I mean, I'll I'll have it again, but... <laughs> we'll probably have to because he won't go away. He's like a cockroach. Really. I know, literally, he's survived nuclear wars. Yeah. But listener, if you ever 
hear us talking about this again, forgive us, but we're just doing our due diligence. It has to be said. Yeah. It has to be discussed. It does, yeah. And until further notice, our stance is the same. Probably. I don't know. Right? Yeah. yeah. Who cares? Okay. Speaking of rehashing Ooh. Y2K. Transition alert. <laughs> Transition siren. <laughs> you sent me <laughs> you sent me an article today, mere minutes before we started recording, actually. That mm. was published <laughs> yesterday by The Cut. Oh my god. Yeah, a few days ago. This article is called, I forget the name, but the main idea is that there's a vibe shift happening. A vibe shift is coming. Will any of us survive it? Certainly not you, Alison P. Davis. I don't know who that is. Um, Seemingly not, yeah. (laughs) But the the main gist of the article is that, yeah, I guess culture is changing. Um, and as we know, things trend and then they stop trending. And this article is basically an interview slash profile of Sean Monahan, who founded KHO but now works on his own. He has a substack, yeah. Yeah, he wrote a, a substack where he sort of was talking that there's a shift coming. And then what we both found interesting about this article was how he historicizes like cultural shifts from the 2000s to now. So I'll read really quick. Um, Monaghan breaks down the three vibe shifts that he has survived and observed. Hipster slash indie music that goes from 2003 to nine or peak arcade fire, plug party, high-waisted cheap Mondays, Williamsburg, blah, blah, blah. Then after that comes post-internet slash techno revival, which goes from 2010 to 16 or the blood orange era, normcore, dressing like the matrix, blah, 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 blah. And lastly, there's the hype beast woke era from 2016 to 2020. And examples are Drake out of his Drakest. Um, I don't know what the Nike sneakers app is. It's like sneaker drops, like exclusive Nikes, right. essentially. Yeah. Okay. Sneaker culture, I guess. Virtue signaling. Yeah. Donald Trump and blah, 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 blah. I think we liked that summary of the last 10 years. Yeah. Splitting it into three eras. Mm-hmm. Um, to be fair, this idea isn't new like sean monahan posted this literally mid last year right um when he first started his Substack called eight ball and um yeah i was confused then and honestly this cut article is a lot of words that continue to make me confused like i think i think the issue is it's a trend piece about an era that actually doesn't exist yet like we're still waiting for the next vibe in his words mm-hmm. um the post-trump vibe essentially has yet to be written mm-hmm. i kind of disagree with that in the sense i think it could be written if you're brave enough to write it yeah well they don't write it though do they they don't know exactly yeah they don't want to write it and i don't think sean does either which i find confusing um I think he talks about the honestly though, like I feel like it's weird that this is such an old piece, like the cut articles from this week, but he was talking about this a year ago, I swear. Right. And he still hasn't been able to figure out what the I don't know. I mean he literally posts every week. He must have said something since then. Yeah. A lot of <laughs> what the article says. Okay, so yeah, let me go first back to like his tourization or whatever. I, I like yeah. it and I agree with it. I will say though that the post internet techno revival and the hype beast to me were more coincidental. Like in my experience, mm-hmm. they sort of happened at the same time. 
And then I definitely do think that 2006 on just literally, literally just because of Trump, everything changed. Um, 2016. So I would just put hype beast with the techno revival era. And then from 2016 to now, the woke era, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Although as someone who spent my early twenties in Montreal, the woke era went back to 2010, but that's another story. Mm. So that makes sense. That being said, yes, I don't understand why they don't make the leap to try and like say something about this new sh- like vibe shift, like, or like what's coming next. Because from what I see from like I, my outsider perspective, there's a couple of things that they bring up that are like trending. They say like people are smoking more nowadays because they care less about health because of COVID. Or like they're just tired. People are like, just want to do, want to have fun. People are like into old opulence, which I have seen a lot on TikTok, like people being into like old money aesthetics. Yeah. And then he argues that this new era, which he hasn't really been able to flesh out, is more depoliticized. So yeah, the vibe is people care less about the woke shit. They care less about health. And it's a bit more decadent, more like blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I disagree. And I already told you this before. I disagree with this idea that things are being depoliticized. I think things are just becoming a bit more right wing. Um, Queen radio explosion. (laughs) At least the like, um, the like um, scene that he writes about this, like New York scene. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't want to name names, but all these podcasts. And I I don't even mean Red Scare, actually. I mean, like. The daughters of Red Scare, uh, right? Who are when I say right wing, I don't necessarily mean like Trump supporters or whatever. But the that generation and the new vibe shift values things such as like traditional values, family unit. Hmm. So to me, it's not that it's becoming depoliticized; it's just like a different shift or a different focus on politics. Because of one thing, one very toxic toxic thing that I have is that I do still believe that nothing is apolitical. It's just like a different kind of politics that they're dealing with. So I find that these people are just a bit, I don't know, I don't blame Sean specifically, but the New York scene is sort of trying or not trying, but becoming and adopting right-wing values, but they're not, they just don't want to say it. They're not brave enough to say it Hmm. when really that's what we're seeing. Like culturally, it's becoming way more like traditional, like, like interested in like traditional aesthetics interested in like religion obviously has been being a huge thing in the past few years for that scene god is huge yeah it's yeah god is huge it's honestly a bit extra it's a bit extra yeah but it's not it's not a bad thing and like whatever it's not necessarily like when i say right wing i don't necessarily mean like oh this needs to be denounced it's just historically those are things that are associated not with the left and i think that's what culture is moving towards and it's very clear that what happened is that in the 2000s the left took over all of culture to the point that it became very mainstream yeah. and uncool. Yeah. Became cringe to be a leftist. So obviously, and he talks about this, culture works by patris, patricidal cycles. So the new culture is trying to reject the old culture. So they're becoming right-wing, and I don't even think reactionary, is just even right-wing. More traditional, I think, is actually the right word. They're becoming more traditional. And that's, I think, what the vibe shift is, at least yeah. within the scene. I don't know. That's my take. I mean, it makes sense to be kind of post left wing, to be post the Democratic Party, post the liberals, when they've been so impotent woke. for the past yeah. decade at least. Oh, I don't blame them. Yeah. When when we've done like four years of people getting canceled left and center for doing nothing. Yeah. I would also get a fucking, I'm, I'm also fucking annoyed about that. Of course. Well, yeah. not even that, but also people getting canceled 
and then like just not getting canceled like cancellation yeah. is fake like as we just discussed yeah. with dr luke right and yeah. later how we'll discuss with say with me joe rogan like <laughs> this like the fervor over sort of that yeah has just been like exposed so many times over the past let's call it vibe <laughs> And like sort of also to to add on to that, there's like the cringe-based dichotomy that informs so much of like online culture nowadays, which is comes from right-wing forums and Reddit. Mm-hmm. And it's very obviously used to describe the old as cringe. And in this case, the old is more leftist liberal politics. And the based is what is not that. Yeah. So it's not even right-wing and it's not... It's just like a rejection of what happened. And what happened happened to be leftism. Um, so it's not that it's becoming depoliticized. It's just rejecting the old. Like rejecting Hollywood leftism or something. Yeah. In particular. Period. Yeah. Not real leftism. Yeah. Yeah. Period. Yeah. That. Yeah. Like rejecting like late night shows and like hilarious epic exactly. clapbacks, yeah. you know? <laughs> and like pronouns in bio and like. Right. All of that. All of that. Which is fair and it's fine. You can do whatever you want. And that's just the nature of where culture is going. But I just don't get why Sean Monaghan or these people who are love love to front trend forecast don't say it explicitly. Because it would be cringe to say that, I think. Mm. Like this, this exp- take that I'm expressing is not based. So, <laughs> so by virtue of that is like... I think oh. it is based. Also, what's based? Based is just what's not cringe, I would say. Um, I think what's cringe is Sean Monaghan having a paywall, so nothing he's <laughs> said in the last year is actually readable. Period. Also, what's cringe is trend forecasting. Let's circle the conversation back to that. <laughs> yeah. I do like Sean Monaghan, honestly. I subscribed to his newsletter when it was free, but then like it became just a preview. And I was like going crazy reading like half a paragraph every week. And like mm-hmm. I was like, this is self-harm to be subscribed to something I'm not even allowed to read. <laughs> um, I do like him, but yeah, it's it's essentially old news. It's the problem with this cut article. And it's a very aimless piece as well. Yeah, that's it, yeah. But they mentioned like how we're post, post-irony at this point. We're circling back to being ironic. Okay. I guess to just kind of cope with all of the hypocrisies. I kind of never stopped. Of the world we find ourselves in. And it's true. I don't think we have either. Like, I don't think either yeah. of us have stopped being ironic, at least yeah. for as long as we've had literally our voices On set my... to tape, you know, yeah. for the past two years or whatever. Tape? That's analog. Or even three. That's hipster of you. Yeah, it's giving <laughs> Williamsburg revival. <laughs> giving indie series like exactly like if people heard themselves saying this aloud and how ridiculous it sounds we'd stop okay i don't know we we i think you know that i'm very annoyed uh, at trend forecasting like i brought it up with the indies lease vibe like a couple of weeks ago <laughs> with the indies lease like tiktoks i just find that sometimes it's just like marketing lingo disguised as cultural commentary and it's just so pseudo intellectual Mm. when these people sometimes do that, it's like you either are a fashion executive or you're like a cultural commentator, public intellectual. When you mix the two, you end up being a midwit. Like you're not saying anything. Midwit. (laughs) (laughs) That is like either, I don't know, just go work at a, go work at a, at a marketing agency. I don't need to, I don't need to, I don't need to have you talk about culture, especially because like, okay, this is my, I'm talking a lot, but especially because what I find happens with this kind of stuff is that 
once they name it, they create it. Like right. once they named Normcore, that's when people started dressing like Normcore even more mm. so because there was like a, a fixed trend. So so the, the trend forecasting is sort of like a trend creation that they're that they're not upfront about, I think. Like sometimes you're just like I, I think what's happening is in the last few months I've become sour to fashion mm. period, like fashion as a industry and as a cultural force. I think it's taking over all of culture in the way that everything is very cyclical. I think that that's always been the case, but fashion has always had the fastest cycles. And I see that becoming or like spreading to all of culture. So when people come and try to like do cyclical analysis of culture in where the cycles last two years, I'm like, yo, 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 calm down. Just be yourself. Like Mm -hmm. no one's making you go through all these cycles. Why don't you just try being yourself? Which goes back to what you said about we never stop being... Not that we're above it all, but there's a way to retain yourself through the cycles. Right, because another part of the piece was how for every vibe shift, people get lost, people are left behind, like people don't survive, in his words, a vibe shift. Which in theory explains why when you go to a bar, you still see people who look like they live in 2008, who are like (laughs) 35-year-old indie rockers, you know, with like the beard. The skinny jeans, the plaid. In Montreal, you see people in like 2003, yeah. Yeah, so (laughs) those people didn't survive a few vibe shifts, actually. But then that begs the question, what were we supposed to look like during the Trump era? Like, you know what I mean? It's just like, uh, I don't know, I'm lost. I guess I didn't survive (laughs) it. (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's why, maybe we just didn't survive it. I love to think that we can like eject ourselves from it. Yeah. And I think to a certain extent you can't because at the end of the day, this only matters to people who are working in like like the media. Creative industries. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like someone who was an accountant doesn't give a fuck about this. Yeah. Someone who's like has a real lawyer job who actually produces value to society. They don't they don't care about Okay, this just in Juan says lawyers create value. <laughs> it's actually no 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 I take it back. I take that back. No lawyers. <laughs> Woodworkers, ice cream. Woodworkers, yeah. Carpenters, cobblers. I love all of the Hot priests. Are you watching Fleabag? Oh, Ben watched, yeah. Many, many times. The Hot Priest is back, though. The Hot Priest is back. Wait, the actor or the idea of it? No, the idea of it. Um, Right, right. There was a Hot Priest who called into Red Scare for the Valentine's episode. Oh, true. I didn't listen. A friend listened, just for the record. Oh. See, I'm, I'm above culture. I'm post-vibe. <laughs> yeah, let's be... Oh, that's it. Post-vibe. That's where we need to be. Right? I feel like Sean fucked up by calling it vibes, you know? Like, I feel like yeah. he, he used a bad word. And I think we mentioned this already ages ago. But the, the post... Maybe the vibe shift is that we just... People are going to get exhausted with it. Like, hmm. maybe the new vibe shift is that we just don't keep up with it so much. Maybe. I mean, that's what happened over a pandemic, but like, what if that's just us now? Or what if we need to catch up now? That's what the article was saying too. What if it's time to kind of wake up, like crack out of your little shell and like get back on the hamster wheel? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Get back on the race, get back on the saddle. Um, Get back on ASOS, check out those new arrivals. Someone of... As someone of pushing 30 experience, I think I've, I've raced enough. <laughs> the hamster wheel has fallen off. Yeah, I'm trying to develop 
<laughs> a timeless vibe is what I think. A timeless There's vibe. Wow. A, a sense of style. That's what people always say. Like style is not fashion because like style is just like personal style that endures the passage of time whereas fashion is like trends. Okay, Taylor Swift. Okay, 1989. <laughs> I think I'm too old to keep trend chasing for sure. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, you're also you coupled call, up. You just call me old? Dox you. No, really what I'm calling you is so <laughs> coupled up that um, I feel like right. you'll, you'll find that zest for literally chasing abstract ideas, you know, if you ever find yourself in a open... Oh, never mind. <laughs> I just poked a hole single. in my logic. Yeah, yeah. single. I yeah. mean, I don't want to say that. No, but. I do. I do know what you mean because if you're single, you're like more in the market, trying to like. You're like being seen more. Yeah, you're yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. And if you're in the market, you have to like. You're chasing something. Yeah. 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 But I think there's a way to just. Um, it's not even about cliching, cliche be yourself, but there has to be a way in which individuals build a foundation upon which they can build on those trends. Yeah. But not this constant, I'm just exhausted of the constant like cycles of like, we liked this yesterday, but immediately the day after is just, you have to denounce it. I hate that. I agree. No, that's, it's a pathetic article for that it's reason. So pathetic. Yeah. It's such a pathetic way yeah. to live. It's like only brain dead millennials who again, work in like stupid industries live their lives like that. That's just a not, that's yeah. not a way to live. That's like masochistic, masochistic, pathetic, and I don't know. What's another bad word? Stupid. Yeah, you need, it needs to be a group of three. Yeah, it's always the three, the rule of three. Um, I agree. But it's amazing how fast you lose track of like the talking points. So you take one week off Twitter. Literally. Maybe two weeks these days. I feel like Twitter's slowing down, weirdly enough. I mean, I've been saying that for literally five years, but <laughs> <laughs> if you go off Twitter for a week or two, you suddenly like don't have the cultural references anymore. So it's not even yeah. about like what you're wearing or whatever, like outwardly. It's like how you relate to the culture. It's how you speak about it. That really can out you as being out of touch, I think, yeah. really fast. It's kind of like what you're hating nowadays. It's like, yeah, okay. That is what it is. Yeah. Well, not, not fully, but a part, big part of it is like you have to keep up with what people are hating because it's like kind of irrational. Or it's not, it's never tethered to the thing, to the object. It's always about how other people react to it. Yeah. So I'm not to segue yet, but Julia Fox is a good example. I think that when Julia Fox came up with the Kanye West thing, it was a full week of people praising her. It was like Poptimist for a minute to be into Julia and Kanye. Yeah. Yeah. And then really quickly it shifted to like, she's cringe. So that's. Let's talk that, about it. <laughs> when you say that, I always think of the TikToker that you don't. Let's lay it on the table. <laughs> so are we done with the article? But now we said it. Oh, I'm so done with the article. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Let's talk about Julia because her and Kanye broke up. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it was just yesterday when we Literally. podcasted about them getting together. Funny mm-hmm. how life happens. Comes at you so fast. Honey, funny how relationships work when you date someone who's literally diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Right. Or when you both have something to promote. (laughs) Funny how that also (laughs) plays a part in how things end up. (laughs) When you're just like a rebound. Um, Yeah, so they broke up and everyone knows because it's been all over the news. Literally all over every news. All over the news, yeah. Like Um, it's been a slow news week though, I honestly think. For that to be as big of a story as it is. Apart from Eunice and Dudley. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nothing has happened. 
Um, so yeah, they broke up, but um, before the breakup, I think there was like a lead up to, I don't think her demise because she's still around, but definitely like a shift in public opinion about their relationship. For the first week, like for sure, people were critical of them, specific, especially of her publishing that interview piece. But it was mostly positive. People really were into it, including me. And I still stand by it. I still think there was a lot of promise in their relationship, just in the sense that I think Julia and Kanye are like made for each other and how they interact with fame. And she seems like a, she seemed to me like a very logical next step from Kim, from like reality TV to prestige film, sort of like Starlit, who's still very hot, blah, blah, blah. The prestige film is debatable because, yes, she's only really been in one film, but I think she will be in more. And then it all shifted on her birthday. Well, it kind of started before, but her birthday was like the death knell on Julia Fox's reputation when she received like five Birkin bags from Kanye and took a yeah. bunch of pictures with her friends. And everyone was like, this is so cringe. Um, and then they broke up. On Valentine's Day. Oh, I, I didn't. I didn't think of that. Yeah, I think it was Valentine's Day, but that we don't really care about that much. We care more about the way that Azalea masterfully inserted herself in a trauma that was not hers. Absolutely not hers at all. <laughs> like this has nothing to do with her, and then somehow yeah. she became the protagonist of the story. She found a way to tear down a woman she actually kind of liked, <laughs> <laughs> instantly ending the friendship. That's her bet. That's what she does best. She did this with Lana. They were best, not besties with our friends, and now Julia. But yeah, she tore her down. What did she say specifically? I don't want to read that. That's so I don't really want to read it either. Like she talks about how she looks like a crack baby or something. Yeah. Well, she has a kid. Julia Fox famously had addiction issues, and there's like a picture of her floating around, putting a needle into her arm that Azalea posted. Yeah, yeah I guess she has a kid or kids. So it was about her kids being a crack baby, ultimately. <laughs> Exactly what the Instagram platform is for, calling people crack babies. <laughs> and she called Julia Fox a low-rate escort with a crack baby in vicious war of words after the actress split from Kanye West. Julia responded by claiming the rapper had asked her for drugs in the past and used her to set up paparazzi shoots. So earlier last year, Azealia had texted Julia saying, hey girl, like I need... like." Zannies or something. Or like, and I, something I want else. Molly and Percocets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also, like, can you get me a cheap hotel room at this place? Like, I'm really stressed. Like, also, do you know any paparazzis that could take a picture of us together? This was, like, <laughs> July of last year. <laughs> so Julia posts that and is like, okay, now I'm the crack baby. Like, I'm low rate. Like, girl, we're on the exact same level and you know it. I will say, if you are the go-to person when people need drugs, like... Posting that looks worse on Julia than it does on Azealia Links. I guess. But in the screenshot, Azealia had texted at 2 a.m. And Julia wakes up at 8.30 like a normal yeah, person. Yeah. And is like, sorry, girl, I was sleeping. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I was like taking care of my child. Yeah. Well, she didn't say that, but. And then also last week, Azealia attacked Kanye in another <laughs> online rant, branding him an abusive psychopath for kind of chasing after Kim long after the breakup and like kind of right. going after Pete Davidson, who Kim is with right now. And uh, there was also screenshots of like Kim asking Kanye to stop attack, like to stop going after Pete because like one of his fans 
Kim says we'll go after him and like attack him or like kill him even in real life. That would be such a gag. So obviously Kanye is posting all these screenshots word for word. And Kim's like, also, can you stop posting these screenshots? Like, <laughs> he's like, sorry, like, I'm your biggest fan. That's what he said. He explained yeah. it so well. He was like, sorry, I'm your biggest fan. Why wouldn't I want everyone to know we're talking? What I a fucked that. up like yeah. circle jerk, honestly. We're not even going to get into Kanye. <laughs> like, no. I don't even know where to, yeah. It's not worth it. I don't it. know either. Um, it's too complicated. But honestly, Kim came off looking good. Pete, for some reason, I love. Like, I just rewatched really? I hate Big it. Time Adolescence again, and I really like that movie. I hate his ass. Like, I do, <laughs> I, I, I get where Kanye's coming from. Like, Kim exposed her tastelessness from dating that ugly ass faggot. I hate him. Wow. No, she honestly not- queered the idea of dating a man by dating, by dating <laughs> Pete Davidson. <laughs> He's I not like funny, it. and that's his job. He hasn't told a joke that I've laughed at, and that's his literal job. No, he doesn't tell jokes. He just kind of, um, he almost like Seinfeld's it. It's like Seinfeld observational had a lot something. of good jokes. Like, what's the deal with airplane food? <laughs> no, you made that up. He never said that. He played that. <laughs> no, bitch, watch <laughs> Seinfeld. My man never it's, said it's a, that. <laughs> <laughs> it's joke upon joke. Watch SNL. It's like cringe upon cringe. I know, yeah. yeah. People say it was a good season. People swear by that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> People keep repeating the sentence. It was a good season. Also, Charlie might be on SNL. Oh, she yeah. got canceled upon, so that's for the best. She deserves yeah. that. Charlie of XEX. Of XEX. Charlie upon XEX. <laughs> Charlie upon Tyne. Um, <laughs> what are we talking about? Ugh, nothing. <laughs> We're talking about nothing. Oh, right. It, it's such a convoluted web of people, the Kanye, blah, 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 blah shit. Yeah, Kanye, whatever. I I kind of enjoy his crazy shit. That that <laughs> montage of like, I just imagine the intern that Kanye goes up to and is like, hey, hey, dude, can you please edit the Civil War poster and put me, future Drake and Julia on one side and then yeah. Billie Eilish, Taylor and Kim on the other side? Yeah. No, he got that from his subreddit from r slash Kanye. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. It was fan content, but um, I made art. he is known to be on Reddit, okay. which I appreciate and relate to. Uh, <laughs> what Reddit are you on? Um, Natty or Juiced. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> is it almost always juiced? You can tell if someone's juiced by... Um, meaning if they're on steroids, by if they have huge shoulders that really circularly pop. If they're like spherical shoulders, that's a good oh, sign. Interesting. They're on testosterone or similar compounds. So now you know. What's the tea with that? Are people mad at people who juice or is it just like a guessing game? It's a guessing game. But I do think so, people are like incredibly jealous of people who yeah. commit to doing steroids and are like willing to deal with the side effects. Yeah. Because, yeah, the effects are very noticeable. It's like psychosexual, that subreddit. It's like very... It's very straight. It's very incel. I love it, honestly. It's fascinating. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff. It was like really fun to look at. And yeah. And the the guys are hot. Like <laughs> <laughs> the juiced guys are hot. I'm not into that look. It's too I'm much. genius. My web habits are genius. Um <laughs> a vibe shift is coming. <laughs> We're going back Should to we the t- Okay. Should we talk let's about something sh- else? Let's vibe the shift. Let's shift the vibe. Back to what we're talking about. No, okay. One last thing. I want to say something about Azalea Banks. Um, okay, please. Really quick. We didn't talk about her enough. It's true. 
I'm a ride or die. I've been with Azalea when, every, when she was at her lowest of her career, career in shambles. And I love her. But for many months now, I feel like maybe you've noticed this. I'm hesitant about her. Or not hesitant, but there's something that always leaves a bad taste in my mouth when she does this kind of thing. And yeah. I used to think that it was because the music is not there. And I still think that sometimes the music could be better. But I realize what it is. And it's that she just has no loyalty. Yeah. You know? And it's like, mm. you did this to Lana Del Rey. You did this to Charlie XCX. All these people who are supposed to be your friends, you like flip. Yep. So it becomes exhausting. As Not even supposed to be your friends. It's like people that could be your friends and really give yeah. you some shine that like you really need. And yeah, and at this point for me, it's not even like, oh, I wish better for yourself. It's more like, oh, I see now that you just kind of don't have honor. Like, right. even the housewives don't mess with the kids. Even the fucking housewives, yeah. who are the lowest right. of the low. There's always an unspoken rule, don't talk about the kids. Yeah, It's kind of spoken. But I'm seeing is I love Azalea, and she's the best at what she does. But now I get it. Now it clicks. This is what is leaving a sour taste in my mouth whenever she does this, is the fact that there's no honor code. There's no loyalty with her. And while she's amazing at being negative, it's always negative. Mm. That's what she does. Yeah. But I love you, Azalea. Keep doing what you do. Just, just my take. That's so true, Bestie. I love what you just said. <laughs> it's too bad, yeah. Because sometimes she really hits the nail on the head in, yeah, I mean, and yeah. to a degree of negativity that no one else could ever muster, even if their life depended on it. Yeah. But when she misfires which in my opinion she did with Julia Fox, because it's just like, why ultimately? Yeah. Also, yeah, why exactly? That's what, I'm always, that's what I always am left wondering, why? I think she really wants Kanye back with his kids. Too. I think she, I think Azalea really wants that. Those are not her kids. They're not her kids, yeah, let's talk <laughs> about that. But she's always talking about like black fathership and like, yeah. um, I think it's about that for her a little bit. That makes sense. And I think Julia Fox is like the interloper yeah. of that family. She also is very protective over Kanye, literally why she fell out with Lana. And she's, right. probably, yeah, she's probably mad at, at Julia because she implied that she was finessing Kanye, that the whole relationship was like her coming up. Hmm. Um, Interesting, yeah. So that's probably why, yeah. Well, Julia only alluded to that or literally outright said that because all the press was about her like being yeah. seen crying on some street and like all this stuff about her being kind of pathetic. And yeah. she was like, no, you're wrong. Like, I'm not 12. It wasn't a crush. <laughs> I wasn't in love either. Like, I'm just a normal person. It was person literally who, two like, months. Of course she wasn't in love. Literally, yeah. yeah. Like, I got a bag out of it. Like, I'm good, you know? <laughs> but... I hope she gets casted as like Madonna's friend or whatever in that movie because yeah, that would I make really this wonder. worth it. Yeah. yeah. And I hope, I mean, Azalea's the best, like she's, there's no wordsmith out there like her. So yeah, it's true. I'm sure. I'll, I'll keep enjoying her vicious and negative rants, but yeah. Yeah. Whew. What a weird docket today. Like yeah, really weird. Shit. Listener, by the way, we forgot to mention that tonight's today's episode is sort of like greatest hits. Yeah. If you haven't noticed, most of these topics are things that we're revisiting because they keep popping up in pop culture. It's not our fault. They just keep being relevant. It's true. They're like evergreen topics. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> the vibe refuses to shift. I I love and hate the term evergreen because 
um, my freelance job. That's what I write. I write evergreen content. Oh, like stuff that can be Googled at all times. Yeah, but I never knew it was a term. Like I never had heard it outside of that context until you just said it. Oh, weird. I don't like it. Like I'm not proud of saying that, but. (laughs) (laughs) It's very corporate, but I like, I like it as a term. It's very efficient. Yeah, it's efficient. It says what it means to say really quickly, yeah. yeah. If there was another word for it, I would ultimately say that instead. Yeah, maybe Azalea <laughs> can come up with it. Another evergreen fucking topic, for God's sake, is, <laughs> what is <it>? Joe Rogan. <laughs> and I swear, this is actually more of an update Yeah, just between us, like from last episode even. Mm-hmm. So we talked about Joe Rogan and artists boycotting Spotify, because mm-hmm. that's where his podcast lives. We talked about that last episode. Most notably, India Ari. <laughs> yeah, India Ari became the um, the punching bag of last episode for me. Anyway, I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny because I only know her as like this. I don't even know who she is. I only remember her from like when I was literally a kid watching the Grammys. There was like a big upset, right. and she won over. I don't know, probably a white person. You know, it was like some kind of like mid-2000s upset for probably Best New Artist or something. And the newspapers the next day were like, who is India Ari? Like, what a weird name. And I was like, that's so true. That is a weird name. (laughs) Anyways, so she came back into the press cycle um, when she condemned Joe Rogan and threatened to take her music off Spotify. And I was kind of like, that's funny. Like, I guess do whatever you want, girl. But That was the joke last episode, yeah. Like, it was just funny because it was like, Joni Mitchell... And Neil Young, who are both like big legends, and then her and James Blunt, who are, no one listens to nowadays, being yeah, like, yeah. throwing their hat in the ring as if anyone cared. But yeah, that was Will's joke about it. Apparently, James Blake is on a very successful tour right now. I'll have you know. Wait, Blake or Blunt? Oh, sorry, Blunt. Yeah, classic yeah. mix-up. Very successful. Who's going to these shows? The fuck? I mean, I guess fans of his twitter account i don't really know like he do be tweeting <laughs> fans of your beautiful yeah people who can get enough of that song so most recently india ari went on the daily show with trevor noah i mean everyone I makes it. mistakes that. but that's a huge, that's a huge mistake <laughs> to go on that show but she went on the show and said this about joe rogan oh sorry can i rewind Joe Rogan said the N-word so many times on his podcast. Which which we actually didn't know when we recorded the episode. It was like, I think, breaking as we recorded that episode. And it just like, I missed that. So yeah, that wasn't part of the conversation last time. But he ended up having to apologize again, as he should, for saying the N-word. And this is what India Ari said this week about it. I think he was saying it because it got a rise out of people. That's why he would say it. He knew that it was inappropriate. And I think the fact that he did it repeatedly and was conscious and knew, I think that is being racist. I don't think being a racist means you are a bad person necessarily. It makes you a person who was raised in our society. Oh, she kind of spilled. She kind of spilled, yeah. Yeah. Sort of more thoughtful than like the headlines would have you believe. Yeah. But um, I do um. definitely... I'm familiar with this type of person. Like, like when you say the N-word while you're talking about the N-word, and that to you makes it okay to say it. Right. Like if you're describing the N-word itself, right. I know a certain type of like older white person to literally do that. Like I remember this moment in high school when a friend's dad 
was talking、mm. about the N word and just like was saying the N word every time. Dude, you know, and it was like, excuse me, sir. It was like shocking, but like so, like titillating or something too. Like it was、right. like a very basic level of like, like st- I don't know, just like stupid suburban like teen, yeah, conversation. I guess I don't know. It was dumb, but that is literally what Joe Rogan seems to be into. I think、Or、she's built with that, and you spill with that. I think that's a very common way of、uh, making humor. Is obviously going for the what's forbidden, right? And I think it is. I think she's right. It's like he he said it so many times. He said it in ways that were just like like he wasn't rapping along to a song. It was like <laughs> hard R. Like he was being like incredibly racist. <sighs> when yeah, yeah. Did you watch the clip? I didn't. I, I didn't I either. Just, I read about it, but I, I was like, I don't need to read this. I don't need to watch this for what? I don't need to watch it either. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So she did seem to spill, didn't she? Now. Yeah, and I like, and I like how she says that it makes you a person who was raised in our society. I think that really contextualizes things in a way that because I think that's where we were getting at with Joe Rogan last time, like、hmm. making Joe Rogan a boogeyman or like this idea that he's like incredibly evil. Ignores the、yeah. fact that he's the most popular podcaster in the world, which means、yeah. that there's millions of people who see themselves reflected in the things that he says. So、yeah. instead of being like pearl clutching and being like, "Oh, send him to a gulag," the real, the responsible way to think about it is like, "Okay, why are why are people so racist? And like, what can we do about it as a community, society, whatever?" Like, yeah. Yeah, because otherwise the vibe is very much Hillary Clinton, like deplorables,、um, which, as we know, doesn't end well. So yeah, no, it doesn't. It's just such an unfortunate thing. Like, it's like all these like seemingly powers circling around this one person, like finding these old clips literally、mm-hmm. to take him down. It's just like it's not about the N word in a way. It's like. They just want him gone. Like they've just like、exactly. had enough of him, and I don't know who、yeah. they is. I really don't. But like, it's hard not to read it that way for me. And those clips have have existed for ages. I'm sure. I mean, they have. That compilation has existed、um, for a long time. Yeah. They, yeah. It just resurfaced. I guess. Yeah. No. And I know. I agree with that exactly. It feels like that, and it feels in a way. It's that plus coming from a place of like moral superior superiority that I feel is unearned. Yeah. Like. Like yeah, sure. You're not like throwing the N word right and left like Jeff Rogan is, but Joe. I don't know. It feels yeah. It's coming from a place of like moral superiority, and not really of trying to make things better for like people of color. You know what I mean? Like like no one's life, no one's life is gonna improve from Joe Rogan not having his podcast. Like literally, I don't I don't see how that would make anyone life's materially better. Like no one's getting money or like. Reparations、mm-hmm. out of it, just I don't know. Oh, I know it's complicated. It's a complicated topic. I was also reading that this press cycle itself, like, because honestly, Joe Rogan's been in the news for weeks now. Yeah. Um, it could result in him being even more successful than he already is. And this article I was reading, I think it was like some CNN blog. It was saying that the country singer Morgan Wallen, who was.、Mm-hmm. Like caught on camera saying the N word in some like snap chat video last year, he got like taken off the radio,、um, blacklisted, all the stuff for like a few months last year、mm-hmm. because of that. But by the end of last year, he had the biggest country album 
in the genre's chart. Like he was yeah. the most successful country singer of last year. He's this on a sold out tour as we speak. And he's, yeah, he's selling out shows. Like he's more successful than he was before he said the N word. And before oh, like it became crazy. a press, a press cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Cause attention um, is like. Currency. Attention exactly. is currency. America loves a lightning rod issue. Like America loves to like file behind the side they think is right. Like everything is a sport. Yeah. Um, Everything is a Super Bowl. (laughs) Like half of the money that went to the Freedom Convoy in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada was from Americans. Like it's pathetic. I saw that. Yeah, it's pathetic. It's fucking pathetic. Like literally get a hobby. Like this is all there is, I guess. Because people are literally inside all day. Like constantly adversarial attitudes towards each other it's so fucking tiring i know why can't we we're gonna become hippies by the end of this episode why can't, i know why can't we all just love I each mean, other literally yeah <laughs> shift that vibe for once <laughs> yeah let's go back to the 60s man peace and love oh man oh. yeah americans are rotted at the core not india re <laughs> all the other ones <laughs> canadians do though Oh yeah. Now that I'm officially well, Canadian, whoops out my cheers. Yeah. Cheers, babes. I'm gonna show it to you. That looks fucking clean. That it's gold clean. foil. Yes. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, yeah, it's pathetic in Canada too, and the Freedom Convoy has proven that. It is just just the same. Exactly yes. like America. We did it. It literally is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we became America. You've been chasing America for all these years? Well what guess what, Canada? You finally did it. Now the citizens of Ottawa smell diesel all day and they have to hear horns honking and people singing the national anthem, which is a certified non-bop. So that's what you get. (laughs) It really ranks pretty low in terms of national anthems, for me at least, the ones that I've listened to. The Canadian one is not it. Dr. Luke needs to get on that. I know. The American one's pretty good. Yeah, the American one's good. The French one is classically, like, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my lord! <laughs> Thank you to Kingdom, by the way. Um, Kingdom, the producer and DJ, and just all around, you know, HLS listener. <laughs> brought that yeah, to our attention happy. on Twitter. We're very happy to see that we have such illustrious listeners. No, but it was important to bring it up because I think our conversation had it not had we not had this update, it would have reflected something that we didn't mean to. Like that's not. Our views, our views were it was a bit less. flippant for sure. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That was it. I felt even after we ended recording, I was like, that felt flippant. Yeah, I didn't say it like that, but I was like, that felt a bit careless the way I talked about it. Um, now we said it. Yeah, now we said it. But that's the nature of pods, I think. Anyways, it's true. Um, I mean, I'm inclined to end it there. Yeah. What do you think? Did you watch Drag Race? No, versus I'm the done world. with it. Because Jimbo's gone, so now I'm definitely not going to watch it. I'm definitely done with it, too. Fuck that shit. Oh, really? That yeah. was the final straw? For me, yeah. Like, dude, none of the other queens are interesting to me. Yeah. Jimbo was, like, the the reason that I kept watching. I'll probably keep watching just because I'm such a fucking drone. Like, I'm just, like, yeah. so brain dead and just watch any drag content that's been in front of me. But <laughs> I'm not happy about it. Yeah, the favoritism from the judges was clear even in episode one. Which is like so I'm so over that. Like, give me something real, give me something raw. 
Literally, literally. Convoy to RuPaul's uh, fracking farm or whatever. Yeah. Um, what I have been watching, actually, speaking of drag content, sorry to transition out of um, yeah, Joe Rogan and, like, race relations so abruptly, but, like, we have to. It's not, yeah, it's not the pot for that. I think you can go listen to, I don't know, something else. I've been watching, I mean, I've always liked Trixie and Katya, but um, I've been watching their show for Netflix, which is We Like to Watch or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just like a YouTube thing where they like react essentially to Mm. Netflix shows. And it's pretty amazing how negative they are about the Netflix shows. (laughs) Like, Yeah, right? Yeah. It is pretty, like they're always funny. I find them genuinely funny people, which many drag queens aren't. But yeah, like period. they did the Princess Switch three, and they just tore it to shreds. And then at the end, they said, "And don't forget to stream Princess Switch three on Netflix." It strikes it me as like genuinely something new and like dynamic. So I appreciate that. That's something I actually appreciate this week. It's crazy how they let them get away with it. I don't get how that happens, but probably because it's just again attention. Attention is currency. Currency. So people are watching those videos. Those queens get the eyeballs and cringe content is in and reaction content is yeah, hate watching evergreen. So you should watch the the Katya Trixie one about the makeup reality show. That one's hilarious. Oh my god, I can't wait. I'm working my way through the playlist. I'm gonna definitely yeah. watch them all because I'm caught up on on their other shows. So. Right. They really are like amazing comedians. Like say what you totally. will about drag queens, but they are like above that. They're like actually they just have like the perfect chemistry and they're both really funny in their own very different ways. I fucking love them. Yeah. Yeah. I love Katya. She's my favorite ever. She's your favorite? Katya I think is my favorite queen ever on that show, probably. Yeah. She's so good, yeah. 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 Anyways. That's a positive note to end the show on, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I hope, listener, you um, love us <laughs> and everything That's we stand for. That's a pretty for. big the man. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll settle if you just listen to our next episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that. Catch you later. Catch you later. Bye. Bye.